On today's show, the Hawks had opposite results over the weekend, a terrible loss on Saturday, followed by a win on Monday that was closer than it needed to be in the second half, such on all of what transpired in those two games and much more. And all that is on the way. You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1631 of the Lockdown Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland, coming to you on a Monday afternoon slash evening. And today's show is brought to you by the folks at Jace Medical. Empower yourself when you purchase a Jace case. Get yours today at jacemedical.com. Use promo code Locked On. Get $20 off your order with Jace Medical. I also want to encourage you at the top of the podcast to make us your first listen each and every day. Check us out anywhere you get your podcasts, places like Apple and Spotify on the audio side, as well as YouTube on the video side. And I apologize for missing the game on Saturday. I did announce that ahead of time, but... The timing was certainly funny, amusing, or not so amusing if you're a Hawks fan. I won't spend a lot of time on that game. I will have some talk about the hawks Withers game at the end of the podcast. But let's just say the Hawks had their worst performance of the season by a comfortable margin on Saturday in a home blowout loss to the Wizards. And they came out and led by as many as 35 points. Yes, 35 points at halftime on Monday afternoon, only to have a pretty terrible second half to the point where that game was actually in real doubt in the final five minutes or so. They got the win, which certainly is not um, nothing in the NBA. I'm confident that you know everyone around the team would say a win is a win on some level, but it was not as satisfying as it could have been in the early going. It was a 16th victory of the season. They hung on. It was never within you know seven down the stretch. It was too close for comfort, to be sure, but lost get a victory. And really, it was a hilarious tale of two halves in the way that a lot of Hawks games have been this year, but certainly uh, you know to the polar extremes in this one. We'll talk about more of the first half dominance later on in the podcast, but the Hawks had obscenely good numbers defensively in particular in the first half and pretty solid stuff on offense as well. And in the second half, they allowed 65%, sorry, 65 points, 52% shooting to San Antonio after halftime. And on offense, they scored 40 points on 31% shooting with 10 turnovers. It was an offense flop in a lot of ways in the second half of this game. And for the entire game, honestly, the Hawks had very ugly offensive numbers, which were dragged down by that second half. So, even in a victory, this is crazy. If you told me this before the game or before any any Hawks game this year, I would have probably rolled my eyes. But the Hawks had about a 101 offensive rating in this game. Um, I would have probably bet preseason that the Hawks wouldn't win a game, at least especially by 10 points, but really win a game at all with this level of offense. But they did it in this game uh, despite the offense, really. They were beloved from a shooting perspective in this game, 34% from three, 43% from the field, not horrible, but below average. 20 turnovers is way too many for this Hawks team. They will offer, They were awful in the second half of the game in the half court. They were walking it up, playing too slowly, I thought, after halftime. Trey Young got sort of adjusted to. Trey was awesome in the first half. He cooled off, and the Spurs smartly loaded up to him, and the Hawks could make them pay um, in a lot of different ways. They won the glass, but not by a ton. They also shot terribly in two key areas, which is kind of like there's a little bit of luck always and variance always involved in NBA shooting. But the Hawks were uh, 5 of 19 on shots from floater range, which is like, you know, not right at the rim, but in that floater kind of mid, you know, mid off the glass kind of range. They were really awful on those shots. Um, that's one thing to keep in mind in this game. Also one of nine on corner threes. They just can't seem to make those shots this year for whatever reason. Um, and that kind of stuff will drive you insane. But I thought the offensive process was pretty good in the first half. And the second half, it was pretty rough. 
even with some uh, unseasonably bad shooting, I would say, on the way to 40 points. Defensively, the numbers do look good for the whole game because of, in particular, how bad the Spurs are offensively. And I don't want to pile on. The Spurs are a young team that is obviously in the bottom tier of the league. Uh, people were kind of, I think, frustrated Hawks fans. I don't get why we're kind of equating the Hawks to the Spurs for the season. Um, I, want to be, I want to be very clear. The last couple of games before this, the Hawks were in that tier. For the full season, the Spurs are certainly a tier or two below the Hawks in terms of their overall quality this year. They have like a negative 10 net rating. They've been bad all year long. And part of that was the story in the first half where the Spurs just couldn't score. The whole game, they shot 40% from the field and 26% from three, which you kind of have to take. They only allowed 17 free throw attempts, which is pretty good. Rebounded pretty well. Forced 18 turnovers. Like the, the numbers look really, really good for the Hawks. Now, again, after halftime, they got going a little bit in the paint, especially with Wemby kind of waking up. He was kind of a non-factor as much as he can be in the first half. And when he woke up, things got a lot more difficult for the Hawks. And they had to hold on for dear life, just kind of with their bad offense in this game, did Atlanta. But uh, in the big picture, they did enough to get the win. Now, had the Hawks performed on this level in the second half against most teams, they would have lost. And it would have been an all-time collapse. I, mean, I don't want to overstate it, but if you're up 35 at home against this, this Spurs team, which with this loss, they're 7-32 and 32 this season. Um, losing to anyone up 35 points is a disaster, of course. Had they done it on national TV, it's a TNT game. They're pretty much their only one of the year. And to do that, uh, it was rough. The fact that this game got close, I, there's no sugarcoating like how rough that actually is. Now, they did win it, which is kind of in the end all that matters. But given all the stuff that's going around the Hawks right now, the trade the trade rumor stuff, et cetera, like, it's not a satisfying win on the outside. You know, at, at some point, you got to win games, and the Hawks won this game. But, um, yeah, that's kind of all I have as far as the big picture on this game in particular. We'll touch on more of what transpired in this one. For the most part, on this show, and at the end of the podcast, we'll touch briefly on, this, on the game on Saturday, as well as the latest trade stuff around the Hawks. But first, before we get to all of that, it worth more sponsors on the show today. Today's show is sponsored by Jace Medical. I know we come to sports to escape from some of the crazy realities of life. But if you don't mind, I want to talk to you for a second about preparing for real life. According to the FDA, pharmacies running out of antibiotics like amoxicillin right in the middle of the worst flu season in a long time. That's scary stuff for a lot of folks. It'd be help us feeling if someone in my family or close friend group got sick while a supply chain issue. Stop them from getting what they actually needed in terms of life-saving medications. And thankfully, though, there is Jace Medical. They offer the Jace case. They have a pack of five different antibiotics to treat a long list of bacterial illnesses, including UTIs respiratory infections, sinusitis, skin infections, and many others. This stuff can happen to anybody, and you want to be prepared for it. And preparation is really key to everything that Jace Medical does. And the place to go is jacemedical.com. Complete your physician encounter right now. It will be reviewed by a board-certified physician, and you'll actually have medications that will be dispensed by a licensed pharmacy at a fraction of the regular cost. It's always important, but it's always been important, and will be important moving forward to be prepared. And that starts today. The place to go is jacemedical.com. Use promo code Locked On. To get $20 off your order with Jace Medical, that is jacemedical.com. Use the offer code locked on. All right. So, again, uh, a clear tale of two halves in a way that it's like, it's, it's probably ever this clear, but it was crazy how different the halves were. The Hawks opened this game 11 0, which kind of was a strong start in a lot of ways. The Spurs missed their first five shots. I thought it was funny. And I kind of mentioned this on Twitter. DeJounte Murray, I thought, was like, giving a lot of energy in a way that he doesn't always defensively uh, to be kind um, kind of ironic because it was a national TV game, of course, also against the Spurs, his former team. Um, rotationally, it was only nine guys for the Hawks in this game. Garrison Matthews and Trent Forrest were number eight and number nine, respectively in this one. Trent's been in the rotation a lot recently, four straight games for Trent and six of the last seven. I agree with that for the record. He's not a flashy player, but given what he gives them on defense and decision-making offensively, I'm okay with that given that all the guys that are out, uh, eventually, I would see uh, if it was me, I'd like to, the Hawks to go back to Kobe Bufkin and or AJ Griffin. 
um, maybe even Seth Lundy, but I do understand rationally going to Forrest more. Um, you know, it is what it is. Uh, that's a topic that we'll touch on more later on. And I have talked about it a lot. I know fans want to see the young guys. I don't blame you. I kind of would be right now as well if I was the Hawks, but that isn't where they are just yet. Uh, Trey, has, Trey had one of his patented look-away passes to Okongwu for a three-point play late in the first quarter. That was a great play by him. Um, there was a 9-0 run by the Spurs, actually, um, late in the uh, – sort of in the middle of the first half. After the Hawks were by 33 points, that was their one positive of the first half from the Spurs was a 9-0 run. But other than that, um, Trey was absolutely nails. He actually outscored the Spurs for about a quarter and a half to begin the game. He was that good. Um, made his first six threes. He had 27 of the first 59 points for the Hawks. He had 29-7 in the first half. Obviously, he was not the same guy after halftime. Um, they were more than doubling up the Spurs at halftime. 69-34 to 34 in favor of Atlanta at the break. And the offense was just kind of like normal other than Trey. But defensively, again, the Spurs had 34 points on 27% shooting and 11 turnovers before halftime. So lights out stuff there. Um, after halftime, the Spurs didn't start Wemby. And I thought he might have been like pulled for like rest because they were up so much, sorry, down so much. Um, but he came back in and was a big factor late. The Hawks were just awful offensively coming out of the locker room. They had four points in the first five and a half minutes. They missed six or seven first first seven shots. Um, the Spurs, I would say, wisely and thoroughly keyed on Trey in the second half, um, which a lot of teams should do, honestly. Like if I was coaching against the Hawks, I would make them beat me with somebody else. And that's been a theme for the last couple of years. DeJounte didn't solve it. Buggy doesn't solve it necessarily. Um, and that worked here. The Hawks were up by 30 still. They stabilized things in the middle of the third quarter. The Spurs had another 12-0 run. Um, Julian Champagne hit five threes in the third quarter for San Antonio. So there's a little, a little bit a little bit of good fortune for the Spurs as well. Mixed into the comeback. But the Hawks have been bad in third quarters all year long. Another one here. They're now minus 15 in that quarter. In this game, rough for the full season. They're still by 20 points going to the fourth, though. But it was down to 13 by the eight-minute mark of the fourth quarter. The Hawks scored 21 points in the first 16 minutes of the second half. Terrible shooting. There was one nice stretch by Capella where actually a couple of offensive rebounds, had a putback, got to the line twice, and that put the Hawks back up by 18. It was like, all right, they've survived the push. Here we go. But no, uh, they around, they actually allowed five points in a row after a turnover by, Bo by Bogey. And it kept tumbling from there, honestly. When we had a three-point play, it was like down to seven or so. Just a breathtaking meltdown, honestly. They just couldn't score. Uh, they got lucky, honestly, up six with like, I don't know, a couple minutes to go. The Spurs had a layup that would have cut it to four, and they just missed it. I mean, it wasn't even – it was kind of contested, but it was, it was a pretty easy look. Just missed it. Then Jalen had a good drive off the left wing for, for a three-point play to go back up by nine, and that kind of ended the game in some respects. It wasn't over. There was a nice play by Trey to drive and draw attention. Flip it to Capella for a dunk. That was a big bucket. And it was never like in thorough doubt in the last minute and a half or so of this one, but still uh, it was a, a tough scene all the way around. Um as you can see, if you're watching on YouTube, by the way, my light has fallen. So that's that's the uh, travel life that I'm living right now. But hopefully you can still see me. Anyway, uh, that's it for as far as the like competitive portion of this game. It was uh, as rough as it kind of seemed in a lot of ways. But uh, that's the play-by-play. -play. I will touch on the player stuff now quickly because we're going to save some wizard stuff for the end of the game. Uh, sorry, the end of the podcast, I should say. All right, so the player stuff here. And I mentioned before, you know, the bench guys were relatively quiet. Forrest. Garris Matthews played just small roles, 12, 15 minutes each. They were okay. Bogey was cold in this game, 2 of 10 from the floor, 5 points. Uh, just shooting slump is there. I'm not worried about Bogey shooting at all, but he is in a slump. Those two things can be happening at the same time, and they are. Akongo was just okay, 7 points, 6 rebounds, 4 on Yeka, 3 away from the floor, just kind of a middling game. He had 4 fouls, not a huge impact. I didn't see in this one. 
Omanyeka. Sadiq Bey, um, 10 points, 107 from three in this one. Five rebounds, two assists. Defensively, meh. I, I wish he had been shooting better from corner threes. He was part of the problem with that stat that I mentioned earlier. He just can't seem to make those this year for whatever reason. Um, that kind of papered over last year. His three-point shooting kind of papered over his defense. That was unfortunately not the case in this game. DeJounte had 13 points, 13 rebounds. Interesting. Um, no assists. Odd. 15 shots and only 13 points. So he was not efficient and had no assists, but the rebound, the rebound is nice for DeJounte. I think defensively he gave good effort in the first half. It slowed after that. He was not particularly good. He wasn't awful either, just kind of what it is. Capella, 13 points, 11 rebounds, four blocks, five seven from the floor, had uh, three or four from the free throw line in the second half. I believe it was over two in the first half. He was okay. Um, finished around the rim effectively, five seven. Um, had the four blocks. Rim protection was pretty good, I thought, from him in this game, other than just trying to deal with Wemby, which nobody could stop him. Um, but yeah, I thought, I thought Clint was fine. Uh, a, lot of talk, a lot of talk about him right now. I get that. Um, I, I continue to think that, like, yes, the, the best is behind him, but he is not a terrible player. There's some nuance there, and I think that's always kind of lost along the way. Uh, Jalen Johnson, a big game, 16 points, 10 rebounds, 7 assists, and a career high, 6 steals for Jalen. He's the first player in the NBA since 2018 to have those numbers. 16, 10, 7, and 6. And the first guy on the Hawks since Josh Smith in 2010. So obviously a unique skill set, but uh, he was a monster at times in this one. And then Trey had a cool second half for sure, but a big, big first half that led to 36 points and 13 assists, 6 rebounds. He was pretty efficient, hit 6 threes, but although he made his, he made his first 6, missed his last 5, so he definitely got cold, but um, a big production game for Trey, and they all counted at the end to kind of steal this one and hold on for dear life at the end. All right, we'll have more on this game if we need to, but uh, for the most part, it'll be more Wizards, and then it'll be some uh, trade talk at the very end of the podcast. But first, a word from our sponsors on the show. Today's show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL playoffs are here. There's something to get on the action, though, with the folks at FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. And right now, if you're a new customer, get 150 in bonus bets, guaranteed when you place a $5 bet at FanDuel Sportsbook. That's 150 in your pocket in bonus bets, win or lose, the app is safe and secure. It's easy to use as well. And there are tons of different options and ways to bet. They have live singing parlays. You can make a parlay in the Parlay Hub at FanDuel. That's the best way to find the popular parlays in your market. Also, find the best bets in the new Explore tab. They have all the stuff that you're, that you're used to as well. Point spreads, over-unders, money lines, player props, future bets, and much more. And the app is covering the entire range of sports as well. The NFL, of course, is prominent right now. NBA MLB when it's, when it's time for that, WNBA, college basketball, golf, tennis, soccer, auto racing, boxing, MMA, and much more. And they have all the Hawks that they're looking for as well, all the angles there, including a full set of offerings on each and every game, plus futures, award stuff, and much more. And now is an awesome time to sign up with the folks at FanDuel Sportsbook. The place to go is FanDuel.com slash locked on. Make your first bet a layup with FanDuel. One more time, it's FanDuel.com slash locked on. FanDuel official partner of the NFL. All right, and it's time to cover your eyes if you uh, missed anything from over the weekend because I know I did not do a podcast, although the folks at Locked On Sports Atlanta did, so that's in your audio feed as well um, from Saturday night. The Hawks were, let's just say hideous is the word I'd use on Saturday, in what became a 28-point loss at home to the Wizards. It was indefensible. There's no way around that. They were favored by eight points despite the back-to-back, -back, and they lost again by 28. That broke the 94-game streak of the Hawks, scoring at least 100 points in every game. That was the third longest in the history of the league. They actually had dominated the Wizards to this point. They were 3-0. Now they're 3-1 against Washington. Um, Trey and DeJounte were both banged up a little bit coming in. Um, on the injury report, they both, they both played, though. The Wizards had been 6-31 and overall and 3-18 and on the road this season, including six straight losses. And, of course, this is also important to point out, they had the worst defensive rating in the NBA coming into the game. 
as well as the worst defensive rebounding mark in the league. And offensively, it was bad from the outset. They were down 13 early on. They were 9 of 36 from the field to begin this game. I, I thought the shot quality was a discussion throughout, um, during the game, post-game, etc. I thought the first half shot quality was actually okay. They didn't make shots, but it was okay. Second half, it was a bad process and bad results, which has uh, felt them pressing along the way. They were uh, down 18 after a big run by the Wizards early in the second half. Uh, at that point, they just couldn't make a shot. They were shooting uh, 17 of 65 from the floor. At one point, they were 10 of 36 from two against Washington. That should be impossible. They were down 28 at the end of the third quarter. That was the largest lead of the season for the Wizards. And that happened against the Hawks on the road. Um, I would have emptied the bench earlier than Quinn did. That's a point I've made several times. I'd be more aggressive in pulling guys than Quinn has been. They were down 29 when they finally did it. Um, the final numbers, Hawks had a 95.2 offensive rating in the game. That is terrible against anyone, much as, again, the league's worst defensive opponent. And they were good on the glass. So they had extra possessions, and they still didn't score in the entire game. It was actually just kind of crazy bad. They were below 100 uh, offensive rating in both halves. It wasn't just like they had one bad half. It was a bad game offensively. Again, they shot it better in the second half overall. They turned it over more. Process was worse. It was um, a sight to behold. I am not going to go through all the, all the individual stats. But let's just say no one was good in the game. Like absolutely no one was good in the game on Saturday. There was nothing positive about it. I, you know, if I'd done a show, I would have said, yes, there's the argument about one of 82, which I've often made, but man, that was an indefensible performance from the Hawks. And it would have been made worse if they lost again today in bad fashion. It's not a race, though, because that was a rough one. The trade stuff is kind of out there. It's, it's kind of what we'll end with on, on today's podcast because there isn't a lot of like new terms of like buzz or rumor stuff in the last couple of days. I did reference this on the last show, but Woj did say over the weekend on TV that the Hawks are, quote, ready to trade DeJounte Murray, end quote, and they're ready to move on. He also said the chances of a deal by the deadline are, quote, very, very high, end quote. I have heard the same. Of course, though, the deadline is still three weeks away, three plus weeks away. So people were kind of expecting a deal like imminently. Um, that could happen still, but it wasn't like they had to do it right then. Um, the Lakers are, from my understanding, what's been reported, also what I hear, the most likely landing spot, but not the only landing spot for Murray. We to talk about them a lot as well on TV. Noted that the Hawks were have to, will be asking for, most likely, the Lakers' first-round pick. They are able to trade in 2029. That's been the assumption the whole time for me, but still notable that he reported that. There are other teams in play um, that I talked about a lot. I wrote about this at Patreon earlier, actually last week, uh, patreon.com slash btrolling. So as I'm recording this podcast on Monday early evening post-game, nothing is like brand new here, but I, I'm still on trade watch for sure. I was all weekend. It would not have surprised me if there was a, done, a deal done this weekend. It has not happened so far. Um, the Hawks are, you know, will be back again uh, in action on Wednesday. They should have a home game on Wednesday, again, to wrap up their five-game homestand. But, um, yeah, all eyes on the trade market. Still three and a half weeks to go. But the uh, the buzz is very hot. The buzz is very heavy. Um, I certainly believe that it is more likely than not the Hawks will make a deal um, between now and the deadline. And I think that Murray is um, likely, if not certainly not guaranteed or anything like that, not 95%. Like, I think it's more than 50% that he has traded. That's what Moja said. That's what Haynes has said. That's what uh, others have said. I heard the same. So we'll see. Stay tuned for all of that. I don't think Monday's game changed anything. The Hawks won it, but it wasn't like they assuaged any doubt about their future with the win today. So uh, all that said, we'll have more of that coming in the near future. All right, that's going to be it for me on this MLK Day evening. Please subscribe to the show across podcast platforms. Follow us on Twitter as well, at LockedOnHawks or at BT Roland for myself. YouTube, Spotify, Apple, ratings and reviews. Always appreciate it. Also, we have the extra bonus content on our Locked On 
old uh, audio feeds on the folks at Locked On Sports Atlanta, who are always recording on their own YouTube channel, but also on audio side on our feed, extra bonus content, no less from me ever. And there you go. Um, thank you very much for listening to the podcast on this holiday. We'll have more coming up later this week, including full game coverage, the latest on trade stuff, etc. Great time to go ahead and subscribe to the podcast if you've not done that already. I really would appreciate that. Enjoy the rest of your Monday evening into Tuesday. We'll see you all next time.